because I believe you always want to consider these things. Amen? Well, let me just share something. Uh, I want to share something today that uh, just a... Uh, I remember a little while ago I had that earthquake and I shared you some lessons from the earthquake. I want to share with you some lessons to be learnt from a mine disaster. How many watching on TV that mine disaster? Man, oh man. Has that been gripping? And uh, I looked at that canister that they were making. I thought, dear God, there's no way I'd get in one of those. It'd be a terrible thing to just, I, I just could, I could feel myself almost having an asthma attack just thinking about the thought being closed in a little tube and pulled up a half a mile through the ground through a black hole. Just a frightening, scary experience. But one of the things that's really interesting about this mining disaster is it has gripped the world's attention. Have you noticed that? There's almost nowhere in the world that this hasn't been broadcast. And you think, well, when there's lots of things going on in the world, what is there about this that makes it so unique? I mean, there are difficulties going on. There are places where thousands of people are suffering and losing their lives and conflicts are going on. But why, what is there about this that gripped everyone's attention? And uh, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, it said, God has set eternity in their hearts. Isn't that interesting? In other words, that there's not a person born into this world that doesn't have some sense that there's an eternity beyond the grave. And there's something about the, uh, the truths, eternal truths, that impact us. And, of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ is about men trapped and lost in sin, unable to escape, and God's great rescue attempt to reach to humanity and to bring a lifeline of hope so that there's not a person trapped in sin that can't be set free. So there is something about rescue stories that grip us because all of us need to be rescued. Even if we'll admit it, a lot of people don't admit it, but there's a real. We're going to just share with you, I want to share with you just a few just simple things about it. There's always something, you notice that whenever there's a story or a movie and it's about an underdog who's beaten down, suffering, been put down, struggled, impoverished, treated unjustly, but they rise above it somehow to win. There's something in every one of us rises up with a cheer and with tears. You think, what on earth is it about those stories that makes tears come? Even when you look at the Olympic Games and you see the New Zealand uh, winner there and they're on the anthem and they've got the gold and then they play our national anthem, boy, it's hard not to be moved with emotion. And you wonder, what on earth is it in me that's responding like that? So why is it that when our team wins, there's kind of emotion and response in it? Why is it that when uh, we see a drama of someone overcoming impossible obstacles rising to the top, oh, there's something about it that really grips us. And uh, we see something like this where there's a dramatic rescue. And, and it just grips us. There was a film a little while ago called The Guardian with Kevin Costner in it. One of the most gripping stories I've seen of him being a rescuer. They helicoptered them down to people on a ship that was sinking and got the people out. Absolutely gripping movie. And so there's something about these themes that make great movies, great stories, and get everyone gripped to the television. What is there about it? Must be something that catches our attention. And I believe it's because inside us, in our heart, in our spirit, we see the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may not understand the gospel, but there's every person knows something's not right and something needs to be fixed up. Everyone identifies with a rescue story or with the, the oppressed person rising to the top. But these are the themes of the Bible. These are eternal themes. 
So let me share with you some simple gospel insights out of just this mind rescue. And they're very, very simple. You actually know the truths, but often we look at things, watch the TV entertainment, and don't just think about it a little deeper. And uh, when I see everyone is gripped by something, I always think there's something about this that's more than just the story they're watching. Something has got in the heart of people about the story. So let me just share with you several things. Now, first thing is, just some lessons from my mind. Here's the first one. I'll just give you a scripture to go with it. And I won't open them up too much because it's all so self-evident. The first thing is, there were warnings prior to the disaster, but no one listened. Prior to the disaster, there were grumblings and growlings, and there were warnings went on for several hours before the mine collapsed. But in spite of the warnings, in spite of being aware that something is going wrong, Nevertheless, because of the greed for gold, because of an agenda to get wealth, because of a personal agenda, people didn't listen, they carried on. That's really why it happened. And in the Bible, you find many examples of people being given warnings. Adam and Eve were given warnings of what would happen to them if they didn't walk with God in that love relationship, if they followed another path independent of God. They were given warnings, but they didn't listen to the warning. They followed that other path and ended up in a disaster they could not get out of. Noah in his day was warned by God. Noah made an ark. Noah warned the people of his day. For 120 years, he warned them. Nevertheless, no one listened. They were preoccupied and thought their way was better. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, the end of the ways of death. And so we can share. Every person here today knows that one day you have an appointment with death. And you will exit this world, which everyone holds so precious, but exit it into what? There's an eternity. And I'm warning you today that you need to prepare for that eternity. They were warned, but they didn't listen. There was another agenda. And often personal gain, immediate interests, the things that grip us and have our attention seem to take over. And we don't think about eternal realities. But if you're sitting here today... You are an eternal spirit being living in a body. And one day you have an eternal reality of a life with God or without God to face. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. The men, once it had collapsed, were totally unable to save themselves. They were actually trapped. I, I can't imagine being trapped underground. Uh, it just is a nightmare to even think about it. And uh, the first thing I thought, well, I wonder how much room they've got because I've seen stories of others trapped, and they were actually literally trapped under the rubble of buildings or, or trapped in various places. We were over in, uh, over in Vietnam, and we went, and they said, we want to go through some caves. And, uh, and so they took us through the cave. I thought, it's nice. I thought it would be a lovely tourist walk. You just walk through the cave. And then they said, no, we're going to go through here now. And I, I saw this thing had closed down, and there's this sort of narrow thing you've got to squeeze, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to go through there. I don't want to be squeezed in like that. But, uh, you know, I was near the front of the queue, so I went. There were some didn't. They said, there's no way we're going through that. And then when you're in it, you realize, oh, my goodness, we're in this huge cave. What if, the door, what if it collapsed? What if there is a shake? What if it, you know, there's no way out except through that little entranceway. So for these guys who were trapped, there was absolutely no way out. They could not save themselves. Religion is the attempts by people to try and save themselves. They don't work. There's no religion... There is no religion. There is no thing that men attempt to do to make themselves right with God that works. It is impossible to escape the inevitability of the consequences of the fall of man. 
Bible says that all have sinned. All. There's not one of us has not sinned in some kind of way and fallen short of God's purpose and wonderful intention for our lives. It says the wages of that sin is death. There's a separation from God, from ourselves and others now, and eternally there's a tremendous consequence. And no matter what we do, religion's just trying some way to please God. But there's no way we can save ourselves. We require a Savior. The Bible says of Jesus Christ, they shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's what his name is called. His name Jesus means Savior. Now, of course, uh, we would love to be able to save ourselves. We would love not to have to depend on God. We would love to be able to do it our own way. But there is no other way that we can form a relationship with God without recognizing the way he's provided. See, so we can't. Those miners couldn't save themselves. They were trapped. I can't imagine what it was like. They did a lot of things to try and get attention, and they tried to get their way out. But all of their attempts failed, and they were left with a sinking despair. There is no way out for us. The third thing is that we see there was a lifeline was established. They drilled a little hole, and they found them. And after 17 days, no one's talked about what happened during the 17 days. But everyone was afraid that once one died, the others would eat him. There were all kinds of challenges went on, and they all agreed they wouldn't talk about it. When people have no hope, they do terrible things. When people have no sense of the future, their life dis disintegrates very, very seriously. All of us need hope. We need something to be expecting and looking forward to. When they drilled that hope, notice this, they, they, had a, 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 they, they drilled right down to them, and they were able to lower down to them messages of encouragement. People wept, grown men wept to get a message from a loved one. I love you. I'm praying you'll get out. Grown men wept. There's something inside their heart and their emotions, deeply touched by a lifeline of hope, messages of hope. And then some supplies were passed down. And then a message was passed down that we're going to find a plan to get you out. And they cheered when they realized there was a hope that someone knew that they were in that situation. You know, it does a lot for you if someone just knows you're in a difficult situation. But even more, if someone shows you there's a way out. And so there was a lifeline of hope offered to them. The Bible says uh, in, in Romans 15 and verse 13, it says this, it says, Now the God of all hope, God is a God of hope. God has plans for our future which are all good. One of the greatest things people need is hope that no matter what they're suffering, what they're going through, it's possible it could be different in the future, and God is a God of hope. No matter what circumstance we're in, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not evil, to give you a great future and a hope to look forward to. Human beings can't live without hope. Even just us going over there and putting this TV station in, we are bringing a message of hope to millions. Message of hope to them, that their life could change and be different. And if they don't hear that message, they live without hope. That's why people turn the television on and they, in the secrecy of their homes, they'll look at television and watch the programs and they're looking for hope that somehow it could be different for me. So we're investing in something to bring a message of hope. Here's the next thing I noticed and I observed the thing about it was that the, the first, once they'd broken through and done the drilling, that someone descended and went to them before anyone got out. Someone descended from above to help them escape. Now, isn't that amazing? I never expected that. 
I remember watching it and I was saying, I can't believe that. They've been working these weeks to get someone out and they send someone down, first of all. But the someone who was sent down was to show them how to escape. Isn't that fantastic? What a tremendous biblical truth that is. You know, that God so loved the world, John 3, 16, He sent His only Son. He sent His Son in the world, into the world to show a way of escape from sin and poverty and bondage and demonization. He sent His Son because God loves people. What an excitement in heaven when God Himself descended out of heaven into the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. I watched the video clip on YouTube when that guy stepped out and stepped in among them and a cheer went up. Someone has come down from above to help us get out. What a tremendous picture of the gospel. Gospel is about God not leaving man to himself, but coming into this earth in the form of a savior. What a great, what a great... The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Here's the next thing I noticed about this thing. There was only one way of escape. Only one way of escape. I watched it. I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know whether I want to go in that cage. They had this hole they drilled down and they lowered the cage down and you could see the cage and it had wire in there. They were so concerned at how people would respond, they were willing to sedate them even to get them up there. I remember one time uh, uh, I had some kind of got a, I had a witchcraft attack against me in Taiwan. My back went into a lot of pain for a little while, and the Chinese were wonderful, really. They ran around me and tried every kind of tribal Chinese medicine you've ever thought of and therapies that I would never have thought of, including electric shock therapy and, dear God, every kind of thing. And, but then the final thing they decided was going to put me one of those machines that does, you know, that was an NMA machine or some kind of thing where they, they x-ray you right from head to foot. So I was fine. I got in there to take off all the metal and then I lay on the table and suddenly it dawned on me as my head was going to this machine, I was going to be in a very tight and closed space and I could feel the panic. And I thought, dear God, I'm going to manifest. I'm going to start screaming any minute now. And these Chinese are all watching the great man of God. I'm thinking, I'm about to scream. I don't want to go into that too. They said, wait, 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 wait. And the guy said, and they said, oh, yeah, sometimes we have to sedate people to get them in there. I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to. say, Jesus, please help me. <laughs> Went in there and he helped me. It was good, but I know what that's like. It's a horrible feeling. So you notice there was only one way of escape. You either took it or you died. The Bible's very, very clear. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way a person can come to the Father, no way we can escape the consequences of sin except by Jesus Christ. I wish there was. We'd take it. But if there was, Jesus would never have had to die on the cross. Jesus came into this earth. He, died. he demonstrated the character and nature of God, died on the cross, sacrificed his life, gave his life up, representing us so the penalty, all the wages sin would be broken, the curse is broken. So you and I, by an act of faith in Jesus Christ and commitment to him. Now, here's the thing. It's not enough just to believe. Believing in the Bible is never a head matter. It always involves your heart and life engaging what you believe. Now, you notice you could believe that that canister would, well, man, that's great. I believe it. That is the way out. But until you step into it and commit yourself to it, you don't get out. 
until a person makes a commitment to Jesus Christ, opens their life and heart and faith to believe Him, they don't get out of the trap and bondage of sin. There's no way out. There's no other way of escape except the way God has provided. None of the religions in the world can save people. None of them claim to either. They just make people work to try and please God. But Christianity is different because God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled everything that God needed, then rose from the dead. So we know by rising from the dead that the power of sin and its consequences are broken, that God has accepted that offering. On the day Jesus died on the cross, at that very moment in the temple, the temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom. God making very plain to everyone a way is made for everyone to come to salvation through Jesus Christ. So every person had to trust and commit their way to that way of escape. They had to climb into that canister and then go up. And until they got into it and committed themselves to it and shut the door and started to go up, there was no way of being saved. Think about that. It's exactly like that with our salvation. Here's the last one. Here's the last. This is really good. Did you notice on the TV when the first man got out? They shouted around the world. They shouted shouts of joy when that canister came up out of the ground, when that thing had reached right down to the bowels of the earth and extracted the first one, and they got it up there, and they got it on the surface, and they eventually opened it up. I saw a little boy, the son of the guy that was in there, and he just broke down and wept and wept and wept with joy to see his father again. I saw people around, and they started to shout and cry and laugh, and there was a cheer right, right through the whole nation. We got them out, and around the world people cheered to see them come out. Probably you were watching, and you felt the same way. But the Bible says that when a sinner turns from a life without God, turns from a godless life, and turns to Jesus Christ, there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. I noticed everyone that came up, they gave him a cheer. Everyone that came up, they gave him a cheer. And then the end came when the last one was taken out. And everyone gave a great cheer. And I looked and I thought, oh my, that's what happens in heaven. Every time a person says yes to Jesus Christ, commits their life to him and begins a journey walking with God. What a tremendous pick. Did you see that in that mine rescue? Did you see all of that? It was all there waiting to be seen. We've got to open our eyes to the things that happen around us and see that eternity can be seen everywhere if you'll just look for it. The gospel message can be shared through that mind rescue because it fully is revealed in those various aspects of what happened. But perhaps there's someone here today and this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel presented this way. Perhaps you've never heard the gospel at all. The gospel's good news that there's a God who loves you a God who cares about you, a God who sent his son into this world 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for you. It's good news, but it requires a response. That response, Jesus said this to everyone who received him. Everyone believed on him and received him. He gave power to be a child of God, to escape the penalty of sin, and to come into a relationship with God.